When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Inside Track, brought to you exclusively by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine. I am your host and publisher, Greg Tutwiler. I'm talking today with Brooklyn, New York's singer-songwriter Paul Livernese about his band Ten Ton Man and their new single, Crazy Theory, which is on the upcoming EP, Permission to Sin. Their music has been called a folksy, country-fied blues creation, something that rivals Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, and Neil Young. Welcome, Paul. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? <laughs> Pretty good. So tell me a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into the music business. Well, I've always played guitar and through the years came up through like punk and rock bands in the city, uh, moved here and. 1980, went to art school, and as a side, uh, part of my creative outlet was always did music. Um, had put that down for a while. My professional career took, you know, took a front seat to all that. And then, at the age of 50, my father passed away, and I realized life is short, and I should really be enjoying my passions. Mm-hmm. And uh, started a band. I went to a uh, open mic down in the Bowery where one of the past guitarists from Misfits handed me his guitar uh, that was tuned down half a step, and all of a sudden I discovered my voice, and mm-hmm. the voice synced up with the lower tuning, and mm-hmm. all of those, like, where was my voice all those years? And then the passion and the ability and the creative um, juices all kind of joined in one big you know, explosion, and I was just, like, headstrong to getting my music out there. Mm-hmm. How did you go from punk and rock to the to the folksy blues sound, almost rockabilly sometimes that, that I hear in yeah, music? Yeah, no, it, it's true. You know, it's funny, like, you know, I grew up listening to, like, like Zeppelin was probably my favorite band there, mm-hmm. which, you know, takes, takes from the blues. You know, went through you know, the Clash and a lot of the bands coming from England. Um, but my playing... And what came out of me was this amalgamation of like blues and country, mm-hmm. and I was never even a really big blues and country um, listener. But mm-hmm. this is what you know. This is what just what happened, and I went through a really big uh, Johnny Cash phase where I just kind of rediscovered all of Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. and I probably listened to Johnny Cash for like you know half a year, you know, completely just Johnny Cash. I saw his exhibit at the TV and Radio Museum where they went through. Okay all of his span of his um, career on TV. And, you know, the storytelling is really what stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So I just think sort of being refreshed by that and taking cues from, you know, the, the bluesier Zeppelin tunes. And then my lyrics take from, like, modern day um, things that happened in my life. Like I started writing about, you know, you know ill parents, uh, you know, dating younger women, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, technology. So it's kind of like this weird combination of like taking that blues mentality, but 
but writing about the blues of today's situation mm-hmm. and not falling back on, you know, kind of like that nostalgic you mm-hmm. know, trains and hitchhiking, you know, traveling across America. It's kind of really about like an like urban blues stories. Mm, okay. Yeah, I like that. Um, the band uh, is three-piece um, Paul Dugan on stand-up bass and Paul Triff on the drums. I, I suppose it's just a coincidence that there's three Pauls here. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's kind of really big coincidence and you know I, like I mentioned before you know a lot of this happened after my father passed away my mm-hmm. father's name was also Paul wow <laughs> and uh, every time I talk about that my hair kind of stands on end um, but you know I knew Paul Tripp from another band I played guitar and helped sing a songwriter uh, with her material and then I really didn't know where to look for a bass player and because I was out of the music scene for quite a while in New York I went to Craigslist and I just said, hmm. upright bass for lo-fi sound, I promise no drama, hmm. and uh, happened to be Paul Dukin. And the funny thing about it is, like, since I've found these two Pauls, I meet, like, two Pauls a week now. I've never <laughs> known another Paul besides myself, wow, and now, cool. like, they just keep popping up. I was just in Starbucks the other day, and someone yelled, Paul, and it wasn't me, it was for someone else's coffee. So it's like, every other day I'm meeting another Paul, which yeah. is kind of like... You know, maybe it's a sign. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Alternative <laughs> band name or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we could have been called Hey Paul. Right, right. Yeah, and and strictly Beatles that way. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, the some of the notes that I saw about your your songwriting, um, it was called timeless and and forthright storytelling. And uh, one of the quotes was, "It's so reflective that it strikes that perfect resonance inside your soul." T- talk to me a little bit about the songwriting process for you. Well, you know, it's funny because you know when I started really deep diving into the songwriting, they were really personal. Um, so I guess that's the forthcoming. And I think as people listen to the tunes they could assimilate to the personal stories I was telling about my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think sort of I'm telling my, my story about my life at a certain point in life where you've experienced the life, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not a young person trying to make believe I've experienced all these things. I'm not writing about my college or teen years or my twenties. I'm writing about, you know, someone who's lived half a life and experienced, mm-hmm. you know, the trials and tribulations, the joys, you know, the disappointments um, in a very real way. And I don't have to make that up because I've experienced it. So I think the reality of, you know, my life and how much I've lived and what I've experienced is what kind of resonates, you know, within the music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago about the um, uh, being handed the, the guitar tuned down a step tell me a little bit about that epiphany for you and and how that changed the direction of of your music well i I kind of never really felt comfortable i always i I always was a songwriter and i and i played guitar and wrote the songs for a female front of band in the 80s but it was it never really the concepts of the song never really materialized for me because it wasn't what i was hearing in my head Mm -hmm. uh you know everyone's going to take their direction, and I wasn't feeling like the emotion that was really in the songwriting um, and the sound I heard in my head, and I have a very low voice, and when once it was tuned down and I was in pitch, 
it was just a revelation. I was like, oh, it's like, hmm. it just kind of like hit me. I was like, and then I started singing the songs I'd written in the past. I'm like, this is what I heard. Hmm. This is what it was meant to be. And this is like, this was more, it was a more heavier, very, you know, low tone sound. Um, and that's kind of how we got to the Ten Ton Man um, name. It was that, and the band was initially called Rocco's Midlife Crisis because I was going through a lot of things in life mm-hmm. that were happening to me, but I didn't really want to be so blunt about it. So Ten Ton Man became the metaphor of that heavy time. Mm-hmm. And then the songwriting continued to be dark and forthcoming, and, and you know, we thought Ten Ton Man worked. So it actually changed the flavor and tone of the, the, some of the songs that you had written originally. Yeah, I, I went back and re-recorded um, a couple of songs from those days, which uh, Lifesaver from the first album, um, and I took some of the melodies uh, and the chord progressions and rewrote the words um, that were more pertinent to what was going on in my life, because lots of times I would write the music and we collaborate on the words. So I kind of took a took a back step you know i always had words written and i always had words written to the tunes i was just being more of a collaborative end mm-hmm. uh and really transformed the music into what i had you know had the concepts for since the beginning so it was very gratifying to finally express myself in the way i felt it needed to be done mm-hmm. Do, do the other guys participate in, in the songwriting process, or do they have their own songs that you guys mix into the set as well? Well, I, I pretty much bring to the bring to the band the lyrics and the chord progressions, mm-hmm. and then, you know, these guys are, are really great pros, and they, I would say, like, I bring, I, bring, I bring the bones, and then they put the meat on the bones. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, Paul Dugan has really a lot of experience with arranging, and Paul Tripp has a lot of experience playing in the studio and on stage, and they sort of definitely help build the sound. And, you know, we kind of come from different places, um, but it all comes together. Like, all of our inspirations come together in the intent on man, and mm-hmm. it works really well. And, you know, like you said, some of it's like rockabilly some of it was described as like neo noir cabaret hmm. or vaudevillian, but mm-hmm. like a, kind of like a more of a rock like persona to it. Okay. So, you know, we all bring something to it that makes it what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of times that I'll bring the melodies and the chord changes and the and the lyrics and it'll transform into what everybody has collaborated mm-hmm. on on that. Um, but usually it starts with the um the melody and the lyrics that, that I'll bring in. I usually work on those myself and then bring it to the band. What what type of audience do you find that your music is, is migrating or the audience is migrating to your music? What type of audience and, and venues do you find yourself in with this? You know, it's a, it's a big mix. And, uh, you know, in New York, uh, there's no lie about it. You know, they're very, a lot of the bands are very young. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I have plans in the audience, and they're like, and we get off, like, these guys are cool. You know, the first thing <laughs> is going on, like, what are these guys going to play? Like, these guys are cool. And, you know, we're kind of hard-edged. On a, you know, we're definitely more gritty live. Um, you know, we, we have a couple backing musicians that play other instruments on the albums just to bring it, you know, get more robust. But live, we are that gritty Americana band. And uh, I don't know what they know. I don't think they know what to expect because we have an upright bass, and he plays 
incredible upright bass, and a drummer from the Bronx with long hair, so they're expecting like rock. Mm -hmm. And then I come up on stage with a derby and a hollow body, and a, one of the smallest amps I've ever seen on stage <laughs> in New York. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, what I used to say is like, you know, we'll rock the barn. So we start getting a big multi generational audience. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoy that. And I enjoy that. And, and this has been a, a band project for you guys. How long? How long has this been going on? The first CD came out in, that's a good question. I don't even remember the dates. I think we wrote it and it came out in uh, 2012. Okay. So I guess we're going on our third year, fourth year. And then the EP came out in 2014. Uh, we released a single between that and then this new EP uh, this year, 2015. So, you know, if I had uh, if I had my way, I'd be producing music that I'm putting new stuff out like every six months. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of schedules. And, yeah. You know, New York's a busy town. And and I think I read where all of you guys are over 50. Is that right? So this is uh, oh, yeah. this is not a, a, a high school, college type project. I mean, you guys have been doing other things for a while. Yes, uh, I mean, the bass player and the bass player and the drummer, Pauls, um, have had a musical career all their lives. Um, I've been a musician, you know, most of my life, but I went to art school, and I'm in the, you know, the creative field as a, as a creative director, art director, designer, um, in the visual communications field. But um, this is really what I want to be doing, mm -hmm. and, the, and, and these guys really... These guys are really the backbone. A little more kind of on the philosophical side, I, Americana music tends to kind of appeal to the 30-plus age market and, and up. Do you do you ever find in your audiences that, um, that you actually get people that, um, that are inspired by the fact that you guys are in your 50s and you, you've got a new project and you guys are out on the road and you're kind of doing this thing? You know what's stereotypically called you know, midlife and out. Does that do you do you find people responding to that? They do, and you know, I wrote actually wrote a blog for the Huffington Post about starting a man band, mm -hmm. and people respond to that that they felt inspired that yes, they can go do that, or I'm going to go pick up my guitar again. Um, I started a band. I'm 60, so you know, I think there's a bunch of us out there. Mm -hmm. I think I think New York's a tough place to play live and having this kind of band. Mm -hmm. We get outside of New York and and the reception is a little more heartwarming just because the places we play in are a little more youth cultured. I'm not saying that, you know, bands of old, people, old ages don't play there, mm -hmm. but we had a great show uh, at the Slipper Room, which is a burlesque place. Mm -hmm. And like bringing a little bit of a, a older, kind of more sophisticated audience than your regular, you know, rock club and bar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and, and it go, that's where it goes over. So, you know, right now with this new EP, we're kind of looking at like locations kind of like that, like little burlesque, little vaudeville, little pub-like, loungy, um, kind of like putting the music in its correct atmosphere, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you might want to say. You know. What it, What does it look like pushing out of, you're talking about the different types of venues getting out of New York City. Where where do you see the band moving? Different different parts of the United States, or still kind of more on a regional type thing? Well, right now, like right now, we're, we're a bit regional, and once we release the album, we're going to be looking to get out a little more. Mm -hmm. You know, I've looked at heat maps, and like you know, we do well, like you know, 
Texas, like we're more of like the blues oriented music is mm -hmm. as a parent. Mm -hmm. um, we think we do well, like Nashville, Memphis, like those kind of places, um, you know, especially at those music venues there. I mean, New York, you're going to get more of that, you know, Brooklyn has taken over all of New York mm -hmm. and, you know, you get, you get a lot of the Brooklyn bands and they're all doing the shoegaze, indie thing, yeah. um, electronic thing, which is, you know, it's great. I mean, you know, they've really put back, they've really put New York back in the music scene. Uh, but I think that, you know, our music, it's a little more, less urban centralized. I mm -hmm. mean, I think the subject matter, a lot of songs are life in the urban areas mm -hmm. and what's going on mm -hmm. but i think uh i think we do well outside is this full-time or is that the goal for this to be full-time with this project the other guys no, this, other it feels like full-time yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you know this is this is my full-time i'm on this full-time you know i'm booking shows we're mm -hmm. playing gigs we're recording um and then you know i work so i could so i could actually do this myself and have the means to do the production and pay for the studio. I think uh, that's one thing. That's one advantage I do have of being older. I'm, I'm able to fulfill this and support it mm -hmm. and finance it and you know put out a good product. So you know, would I rather just be playing music 24/7? Yes, <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to put this kind of music out sure. if I didn't yeah. work. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So you've gotten gotten some pretty good response with the new single, uh, Crazy Theory, and that's from the forthcoming EP, Permission to Send. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, well, we worked, um, you know, the first uh, album, we had a lot of players on there, and it was kind of a robust mix of, of music going on. Then the EP, we kind of stripped it down, like more acoustic mm -hmm. guitar, mm -hmm. um, very sparse. And I wanted to get back to... Uh, having more of the music there and, and also experiencing what the band can produce and mm -hmm. how we work together. Mm -hmm. I was able to write towards that. So on this new EP, you know, we have Hammond organ, we have harmonica, cool. we got tuba, trombone, and trumpet. Mm -hmm. um, we have a track that's kind of really reminiscent musically of like kind of a door sound. Okay. Um, you know, we really went, we pulled out all the stops and like, you know, I just want this to be fantastic and, my friend Eric Del Pena, who's played for Joan Osborne and Natalie Merchant, he came in and played lap steel, cool. fly guitar, and banjo. So it's really robust on the music side. Yeah, and yeah. but it still seems like this kind of like down home, as as New Depression said, you know, sweaty blues bar at 4 a.m. <laughs> you know, where the stench of bourbon and brow sweat exists in the air. Yeah. So. That's, I, I didn't want to lose that. It still has that 10-ton man mm -hmm. sound. Mm -hmm. I just think it's kind of evolved. Yeah, okay. And and what's what's your hope for the future? New EP on the way, and, and uh, have you looked far enough or thought far enough to, to where you would like to see this go? Yeah. I mean, I really, I just, you know, I really want to create more awareness for 10-ton man. Everybody says, you know, the songs are very cinematic. You know, mm -hmm. I would love to, you know, have this out there on a soundtrack or, or, yeah, or you know, I mean, like an indie film. Like, I'm doing this because I'm driven by the passion to do it, mm -hmm. and I've always been a creative person, so I need some, I need creative fulfillment. Mm -hmm. But it's exceeded my expectations. Cool. So I'd like to see those expectations go even farther, and I do. I do want, you know, 
everyone has heard has liked it, and I do want people to be aware of Tenta Man, and I do want, you know, I'm I'm the I'm the edge of the baby boomers. I want people my age to experience and have something to listen to that talks to their lives. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I that's what I did in New York. Like I'm still. You know, a lot of my friends are married with kids. I still go out and listen to music, and I'm listening to music, and like you're not talking to me. You guys sound great, but you're not talking right, to me. Right, right. And I think what happens is when we have a live performance and we get people in the audience, they're like, it's so emotional. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm talking about real life mm-hmm. things that happen, mm-hmm. and you're you're actually relating. Mm-hmm. So I really just want people to listen, be aware of Ten Ton Man, and you know, I'm going to take this as far as I can take it. Yeah. That's awesome. And where can um, where can folks find you? How's the best way to get in touch with you, to find your music, to reach out to you guys? It's all on iTunes. It's all on Bandcamp. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on all the we're all, all the digital streaming um, sites. Uh, you can reach me personally on Twitter at Tentaman Music, um, or you could go to our website Tentaman dot com and send a note there. Okay. Great. You can, listen to, you, listen, you can listen to all the music on tentaman.com or, or SoundCloud. We're also there. So, and you can download. There are some um, free tunes you can download and enjoy. Okay. So That's great. We try to be everywhere we should be. <laughs> well, thanks, Paul. It's, this has really been uh, neat learning about your music, and I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Inside Track. We sure do appreciate you sticking around. Join us again real soon when we get together with another great artist and talking about their music. Have a great day. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.